today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Consider yourself a good steward of God's blessings in your life. This is between you and the Lord. Do you consider yourself a good steward of God's blessings in your life? Ponder that thought. Because I'm going to lay another one right on top of that. Do you think God considers you a good steward of His blessings in your life? The Bible says that the earth and everything in it is the Lord's. However, because the Lord is a kind and generous God, He allows us to look after and manage His stuff. In today's message from the Gospel of Luke, Pastor David encourages us to be wise stewards of the things and talents the Lord has entrusted us with. We should waste little time investing in things that can only earn us temporary rewards in this life. Instead, we should give generously towards those things that will advance the Lord's kingdom. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, Heart of Generosity. A nation that's going to be spirit-led. A nation that's going to be spirit-empowered. Therefore, God directed them to build a place that was dedicated to worship and to communion with Him, their Father, their Redeemer. Now, there's no doubt they could worship God anywhere. We can worship God anywhere, and we should live our lives that way. But God is also concerned about us coming together corporately to worship Him separate from all the other distractions of the world. And so God directed them to build a tabernacle. It was kind of, it was a portable version, a, a precursor of the temple that was going to be built once they get into the promised land. So God instructed Moses to receive an offering. The interesting thing was, it wasn't a forced offering. It wasn't one of obligation. The Lord specifically told Moses, he said, speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. Interesting situation there. Everyone who willingly with his heart gives. Personally, I love that. I mean, that relieves so much pressure. That relieves pressure from the congregation. That relieves pressure from Moses. He doesn't have to go and beat it out of them. No, he just says, hey, if you want to give, give. If you don't want to give, that's okay. And then for that congregation of Israel, it's like, wow, okay, so I don't have to give, but maybe I want to give. 
the pressure is totally off at that point in time. This allows the people with a heart of generosity to be a blessing and also to receive the blessing because of their generosity. When the tabernacle is finally finished, who do you think is going to be more blessed by this dwelling place? The ones who gave through a heart of generosity or the ones who withheld? I believe the ones who gave, who were really a part of it, they were blessed because they were part of all that God was doing. In that same passage in Exodus chapter 35, the word tells us that then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle and the meeting. And down in verse 25, it says, And all the women who were gifted artisans, they spun yarn with their hands. And then down in verse 29, it says, And the children of Israel brought a freewill offering to the Lord, all the men and the women whose hearts were willing to bring material. It goes on to tell us that men who were spirit-led, spirit-filled, and spirit-empowered as craftsmen, as sculptors, as engravers, as jewelers, and as tapestry makers, they came to the work willing to be a part of what God was doing in their midst. They were gifted also to teach others those same jobs. They came to the work and they demonstrated that heart of generosity. Now catch this. And this is really, really the cool part of this entire event. Because there were so many people within the people of Israel that were willing to be a part, who desired to honor the Lord in their lives through their gifts, through their talents, that in Exodus chapter 36, verse 5, the craftsmen came to Moses and declared, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So then Moses gave a commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing. Do you understand that? Oh, I have something I want to bring to the Lord. No, no. You keep it. We've got enough. Oh, but I want to give this to the work. No, you keep it. We've got enough. What preacher has ever said that ever? Hmm? (laughs) You might say, well, that was a unique situation. And I'd say you're exactly right. It was a unique situation because a true heart of generosity isn't a common thing. The sad truth is, even among Christians, it's not a common thing. Let's look at how that same concept actually works also in the New Testament. The church of Jerusalem in the early chapters of the book of Acts, in the early beginnings uh, there of the church itself in the first century, the church of Jerusalem went through great persecution. A lot of them lost their jobs, and in losing their jobs, they they lost their welfare. They they lost the ability to feed and care for their families because of it. One of the things we see in the early chapters of the book of Acts is that those who had extra land and houses sold that land, sold those houses, brought it to the disciples in order that the disciples might disperse that among the people. We see that. We see that even in the early chapters of Acts, the people had this heart of generosity. 
Paul, the Apostle Paul, as he came into the scene and as he left from uh, Israel and began traveling all around that area, planting churches, touching churches, seeing that the Lord was moving in so many ways. As he came and spent time with all of these churches, he saw many with a heart of generosity. And he knew the problems that they were having in Jerusalem. And so as he went, he began speaking to these other churches of the problems back there. He wrote to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians about how the churches of Macedonia They gave in an amazing way to this need that was in Jerusalem. And so he's kind of writing to Corinth. He said, man, the churches in Macedonia, it's amazing what they are doing. They were giving even beyond their ability. Why? Because they had a heart of generosity. They moved from giving to sacrificial giving. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul writes to that Corinthian church. He says, moreover, brethren, We make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. You see, they weren't a rich church, the church of Macedonia. But just out of the giving of their heart, man, their gifts abounded in liberality. He goes on to tell Corinth. He says, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, They were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministry for the saints. So in other words, Paul is saying they would come to us and say, here is our offering to the church in Jerusalem. Would you please take it? My thought is Paul is saying, look, you guys don't have much anyway. Really? Is it really? No, please give our, they implored, they urged Paul to take the money for the need for the ministry of the saints. And verse five, he says, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Do you catch that? They first gave themselves to the Lord. That's the primarily primary declaration in all of this. They first gave themselves to the Lord. If that isn't first, if that's not foremost in your life, then none of this really makes sense. If Christ isn't premier in your life, you're not going to walk with a heart of mercy. If Christ isn't the very focus of your life, you can't maintain a heart of generosity You may come to the pleading of a man or a woman once in a while, but you're not really and truly living with a heart of generosity. When the Lord Jesus became first in the lives of the Macedonian churches, everything else took a back seat. Beloved, it's as the Lord Jesus becomes primary in our lives that the reality of our Christian life shines through in every aspect of what we do. When Christ is first, his very essence pours through us to the world around us. Paul continued on. He, he's now going to address that church in Corinth directly down in verse 7. He says, but, but as for you, the church there in Corinth, you, you abound in everything. You abound in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love for us. He says, so see that you abound in this grace also. He's speaking about this heart of generosity. He says, everything else you're doing great. So have this heart of generosity. 
And again, Paul says, I, I, don't, I don't speak as a commandment, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. In other words, that heart of generosity, that's the heart that our God has toward us, that he would give Christ for us in order that whoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. He poured out of his riches, became poor, in order that we who were dead in our trespasses and sin might have life and life eternal. Paul goes on to say, and in this I give advice. I love it. It's not a command. He said, I I just want to give you an advice here. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago. Now, the understanding is, is that sometime in the past, the Corinthian church, as Paul was heading out on his missionary journey, they knew of the need of Jerusalem. They said, hey, we'll, we'll gather up some offering for that church in Jerusalem. And on your way back, you can pick it up and we'll, we'll bless that church in Jerusalem because the church of Corinth actually was, was doing pretty good. He says, when you come back, we'll have it all ready. And so Paul says, hey, you, 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 you began that. You were desiring to do that a year ago. Verse 11, he says, but now you also must complete the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also must be a, a completion of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what one does not have. In other words, he's saying you can't give what you don't have. You said you were going to give. You need to go ahead and fulfill that. There are way too many times when when we can be moved by the words of man rather than by the Spirit of God. And Paul wants to make sure, hey, this is just advice. I'm just saying, you said that you would do that. I'm just reminding you of this. He's not putting a guilt trip on them. He's just saying, man, you are going to be blessed through this. The words of man can motivate us for a time, maybe even a season. But the wooing and the leading of the Holy Spirit of God is what truly changes our heart and forms us into the men and women that God has called us to be. Paul tells the church in Corinth down in verse 24 that their heart of generosity would be an actual proof of their love for God and a testimony of the strength of their lives in him. Paul says, therefore, show to them Before the churches, the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. I've seen that in this church fellowship, Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. Different ones trusting God by giving and serving by their ability and yes, even beyond their ability. This church continues to blow my mind of your willingness to serve, to give, to be a part of the work of God's ministry here. I, I, I'm continually bragging on you to, to, to pastor friends of mine. Again, how, man, this, this fellowship, we're, we don't have deep pockets in this fellowship. If there are deep pockets, you talk to me later. But I don't think that we have deep pockets in this fellowship. It's, it's a working class church and we, we, we're just doing what we can and God is blessed in so many ways. Because of your faithfulness to have a heart of generosity. And again, we, we look at these things, the, all that we have, everything that we have, the hours of our day, the breath of our life, the skills, the talents, 
that we use. And yes, our, our finances, whether they're large or whether they're small. It's been truly said that God blesses us to be a blessing to others. And that's all a part of the stewardship of our lives. Has God blessed you in ways? He's done that in order that you might bless others. Not just that you might heap it and pile it up for yourself. I've seen God blessing individuals and families in this fellowship, even as he's blessed this congregation because of the faithfulness of those who have a heart of generosity, a heart that's willing to give of their time, their talents, and their treasures, trusting God to lead, trusting God to provide, giving back to him those things to which they are only stewards. And just again, as we see this, it's because of that heart of generosity. Do you remember the definition of stewardship that I gave? earlier the conducting or supervising or managing of something especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care would you consider yourself a good steward of god's blessings in your life this is between you and the lord do you consider yourself a good steward of God's blessings in your life. Ponder that thought for a moment. Because I'm going to lay another one right on top of that. Do you think God considers you a good steward of his blessings in your life? And isn't that really the most important question of the two? Do you believe that God is pleased with the stewardship of your life? In the way that he's blessed you. And what you've done. And how you've lived your life since. Speaking of this collection on the gift for the assistance of the church in Jerusalem, Paul tells that Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 9, he says, I know your willingness. And I just love the honesty of how Paul approaches this. He says, I know your willingness about which I boasted of you to the churches in Macedonia. That you guys were ready a year ago and your, your zeal was stirred up by the majority. In other words, a majority of the people were ready and willing to give. And he goes on, he says, and yet I've sent these brothers there just in case your boasting of what you said would, would be in vain in this respect. That as I said, that you might be ready. Lest if some of those from Macedonia come with me and we find you unprepared. We, and not to mention you, should be ashamed of the confident boasting of, oh yes, we'll do this, we'll do that. Paul says, therefore, I thought it necessary just simply to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand that you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. I've been in churches where it was a grudging obligation, where it's pounded and hammered all the time. If you've been in this church very long, you know that we don't move that way. Our God provides through the heart of his people, again, the ability for what we have. It would appear, again, Paul Paul understood that the church had made this great boast, but they hadn't done much about it. And so, again, he says, I'm going to send some brothers ahead just as a reminder you'd collect the gift again just a matter of generosity not because we're sitting here making you 
But he goes on to say to them, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Well, isn't that what Jesus is saying there in chapter 6 of Luke? When he says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So Paul continues on in 2 Corinthians and he says, because he wants them to be giving with the right heart. He says in verse 7, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance of every good work. Thanks, down in verse 15, he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Why should you and I walk in mercy? Because we've been recipients of the greatness of his mercy. Why should you and I as believers walk with a heart of generosity? Because our God continues to be generous to us. He continues to bless us and watch over us and provide for us. So my question to you is, do you have a a personal or a family plan or design that demonstrates a faithful stewardship of your time, your talents, or your treasure? Do you purposefully live your life in that direction? God has blessed me. How can I be a blessing in my time, in my talents, and in my treasure? How do you serve the Lord as you honor Him and as you give back to Him? Hopefully it's not grudgingly. It's not out of necessity. But simply because the Lord has blessed, you want to be a blessing. Perhaps a better, a bigger picture question would be, going back to that main thing, have you given yourself wholly and completely to the Lord Jesus? I used to have a little cartoon in the hallway on our bulletin board in there. It was a man that was getting baptized. And the pastor said to the man being baptized, he says, Brother, as I bring you into these baptismal waters, and we believe in baptism by full immersion here, he says, as I bring you into these baptismal waters, everything that goes into these waters is of the Lord. And so he brings him down, and the next panel is, the guy holds his wallet up out of the water. So. I think he missed the point of having a heart. All things belong to the Lord. All of these things tie together. It's not only when we choose to walk in mercy and forgiveness. But it's only then that, again, we desire to see how the Lord's going to work and move in those things. It's only then that we can really be those that are able to give. That will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Do you have heart issues? Maybe it's time for you to step out of yourself and start living for his glory. And allow the Lord to give you a full heart transplant. That comes by giving our lives to Jesus Christ. Not to a religion. Not to an organization, but to the Lord Jesus Christ, who he himself died for our sin in order that by faith 
we might come to know him, be born again, receive a whole new life in him, and be controlled by his spirit, not by the words and the directions of man, but by the very spirit of God. How's your heart? We can all remember the marketing campaign, WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? While this became somewhat cliché, the concept behind it is crucial. In each and every circumstance, we need to consider not only what Jesus would do, but what He did do when He was here on earth. As Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke, we'll see exactly what Jesus did. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the Teachings page. Thanks, Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to TheOpenWord.com and select the Teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you. Make us more.